Welcome back to the Duck Pond Wall. We're glad to have you with us today on WEHC 90.7 and WISC 90.5 Wise. We are so happy to have as our guest today on the Duck Pond Wall, Spencer Mathis, Emory and Henry class of 2015. How you doing, Spencer? I'm doing great. Thank you for having me. First of all, let's tell everybody where you are, because we were just talking about how you kind of did some moving around recently. So yeah, where are you living yeah, these days? I've done some moving around. I'm in Covington, Georgia now. Um, I'm practicing as a lead attorney with the Seaman Law Firm, um, one of the largest family law firms in the state of Georgia. We have offices in Atlanta, coming, Alpharetta and Marietta, not to make it sound like a commercial. Um, but, <laughs> but you do. But, you know, that's what we do. And we help you get a divorce. And sometimes we have child custody issues, adoption. We handle it all. And so anytime you need a family law attorney in Georgia, I'm your guy. But that's what I that's where I currently am. I'm sure Monica knows once I graduated from Emory in 2015, I went straight to Ohio Northern University. Since graduating law school, of course, I moved down here to Georgia. I was in Loganville, Georgia, starting out prosecuting Rockdale Judicial Circuit, which is actually the uh, county that I grew up in. I went to Kyrie's Middle School, Rockdale County High School. So it was very interesting to serve as an assistant district Gosh, attorney. Gosh, I bet so. <laughs> right. It's one thing to go home, but to be go home and be a prosecutor. <laughs> right, right. And it's sometimes a little awkward seeing your friends in court. <laughs> <laughs> I bet so. Uh, but from there, I, I was still in Loganville as far as where my residence was. Um, I began working as an administrative hearing officer for the Department of Labor. Um, the Georgia Department of Labor specifically. And so I was in their appeals tribunal and I would preside over the hearings where people appealed decisions on their separation notices and their unemployment benefits. Hmm. And so many people don't know, um, and especially with COVID happening around the same time, that if you are denied unemployment from the Department of Labor, you get a court date. Well, I didn't know that. And so I was one of the officers or administrative law judge or administrative hearing officer um, who presided over those hearings. And I did that from uh, early 2019 all the way until late 2020. Then I moved down to Savannah, Georgia. <laughs> where, where, it's, where it's even hotter. <laughs> Which is much hotter. Uh, my father's side of the family is from down there. And so it was nice for me. Yeah. Um, I don't know if you remember, Monica. I've, I've always been a sweater. I've always been a sweater. I always well, that, joke is, around. that is way TMI, but thanks for sharing. <laughs> no, no, you see it. It's always on the forehead. There's no problem. You can ask any of my old professors. I was always sweating. I think the only time that I was on Emory's campus and not sweating was when I was giving my speech at graduation. And oddly, there was a cool breeze. You're kidding. You did not sweat not during the speech? Well, first of all, I did not sweat during the speech. So, I have a picture so it. you were the guy in 2015 who gave the senior speech? I didn't yes, remember that. Yes, I was a senior order. And you may remember, Monica, there was this trend of people taking selfies with the crowd. <gasps> that I, I do that. remember. I started that in 2015 under President Trump. And everybody laughed, but I thought it was a very entertaining and great view. That I do remember. That yeah, was very yeah. cute. I forgot I'm that. Not, yeah. And so more recently, um, I moved, well, at the beginning of 2022, I moved back up to Covington, Georgia, um, got engaged to my now wife. And now I'm a married man living in Covington, Georgia with two dogs. Oh, my God. Okay. <laughs> Let me t- let's get to the important thing. What kind of dogs? Okay. So I have a Staffordshire Terrier. I actually adopted her while I was in Law school. So I adopted her back in 2017. Okay. She had this little name. She's one of the gray ones with the white chest. And eyes are gray now, but when I adopted her, they were blue. And whoever had her before me named her Gucci. So we kept that. 
because I love that name. Is she kind of so, Gucci? She is kind of Gucci. Yeah, yeah she, she has a lot of personality. Mm-hmm. And we most recently, recently, I guess, unofficially adopted a Shih Tzu and Yorkie mix. Oh, so she's a Shorty, tiny, okay. maybe three pounds. I'm just Maybe. laughing at how they put names together. Never mind how they put dogs <laughs> together, but Shorky is just funny. Well, yeah, her name is Pixie. Well, Pixie here's does. what I'm wondering. Does the Shorky have the have the run of the house, I'm betting? You know what? Surprisingly, she does. Yeah. Little yeah. dogs are the enforcers. Let's talk about um, your decision to go into law. Was that something you always wanted to do? Wow. that That's a loaded question. Here's why. My original plan was to become an attorney. There was a time in my life I was about, I was between the ages of seven and 10. And you know, you don't quite remember the exact age. And I was very adamant about baseball. I'd been playing baseball for some time by then. And so it was always fun for myself and my brothers. I have an older brother, Zachary, and a younger brother, Matthew, who's an Emory grad class of 2019, I believe. And so we were playing baseball in the house and I broke one of my mom's vices or something. It was something glass. I wasn't supposed to break it and I broke it. And so my, my mom, of course, is fussing and punishing us and I'm, you know, crying and I'm saying, okay, we won't do it again. And she keeps saying, don't play with baseballs in the house. I've told y'all a million times, don't play with baseballs in the house. I said, okay, mom, I won't play with baseballs in the house anymore, but you know, I'm a bit of a creative. And so I took one of those Easter eggs, you know, the plastic Easter eggs that, yeah, that, that come apart. Yeah. Took one of those, took the roll of my dad's duct tape, and I wrapped it up until it was the size of a baseball. That's what we ended up playing baseball with in the house. We were playing. We didn't break anything, but she actually walked in on us this time. Of course, she's fussing at us again. I told you about that. I told you about that. I said, well, Mom, I'm not playing with a baseball. It's an Easter egg wrapped in duct tape. And I was still punished because I knew she meant don't play sports in the house. Right. But she said, you know what? Since you always have some type of comeback when you get in trouble and you like to talk in class because... I was a talker. Uh, <laughs> you should become an attorney. And so that that stuck with me for a while. And then I got to Emory and I mean, my it, it felt like my eyes were open. In what way? I didn't know what I wanted to study because everything seemed so fun. <laughs> That's fantastic. Was, so everything yeah. looked interesting. And, and while I was there, I, I won my fair share of awards and things like that. And, and I did a pretty good job. But a lot of people don't realize I, I didn't I didn't declare my major until the very last minute. Um, and I sat down with Dr. Wilson and she said, hey, you're going to have to you know, declare your major or you're going to stay here for a little more time. And I was a Bonner scholar and I was like, I don't know if I can stay here any extra time. So let me make sure that I declare my major. <laughs> um, but yeah, so I ended up majoring in sociology. Uh, I had a minor in psychology and I was um, moving forward and just trying to figure out what I wanted to do. And for a while, there was a question of would I become a marriage counselor or would I become an attorney? That's interesting. So you're trying to figure out whether you're going to patch them up or break them up? Exactly. It's crazy, right? Um, And so I really want to become a marriage counselor there for a second. Wait, why? Um, why? Yeah. Where did that come from? Why were you thinking about Well, you know, counseling? it's going to sound pretty simple, Monica. Uh, but at the time, I thought that it would be cool. I, I came from parents who are still married. They just celebrated their 33-year anniversary on wow. April 14th. Wow, that's but crazy. But I was kind of coming from the perspective of, I, I'll probably be single. Didn't know I'll be getting married in the future. And so I said, I would be the single marriage counselor that can provide that objective view um, from both ends. And so I just thought it would be kind of cool. I actually took a course, Marriage and Family, 
and there was an adjunct professor teaching it, and I can't remember her name, which I could because she, that class made me really want to focus on marriage counseling. And there was a lesson um, one night, it was a Thursday night class. We, we began discussing some of the racial disparities, disparities in like marriage. Oh. And so I started to see that people who are like me, yeah. who look like me, were not getting married at the same rate. Now, why is that? That's a little question that I don't have the answer to. Yeah, I mean, you have a lot of factors, including a lot of situations where where you're thinking about your, I guess, man and wife type of marriage. There were theories that some of the social issues, such as mass incarceration, um, you know, the crack epidemic in the 80s that really took the black male out of the black mm, home. Right, right, right. Um, yeah. and so that's why I said there's really no one answer. Right. There, there are so many answers, right? And, I, and it was interesting to me because I literally, no one in my family has ever gotten a divorce. My uncle's been married for 35 years. The only way that you're that you getting out of a marriage in our family was someone's a widow. That is <laughs> kind of so, crazy, Spencer. I never yeah, that so, from anybody's family. My, my eyes were open. I was like... Oh, these many people aren't getting married, or they get you know this is the divorce rate broken down by race, and it was just really interesting. Um, that made me interested in becoming a marriage counselor. Move forward, I got really involved with uh, student government. Um, became a senator. I was in Elm Hall my last two years. Actually, won senator of the year twice. Oh, sweet! Uh, two years in a row. Yeah, and so and then just that being able to be in SGA meetings, uh, serving on the rules committee. Um, drafting up some of the policies that I believe are still in place um, with the school. I said, you know what? I'm more of an advocate. Let's do this lawyer thing again. That's funny. Um, so I joined the pre-law society like my senior year and said, I'm, I'm going to become a lawyer. And here we are. I love that, that your head was all over the place because you were enjoying everything. That makes me so happy. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> I've, taken some, I've taken some strange courses at Emory and Henry College. Not strange in the sense of, you know, the course is strange. Just if you look at my transcript, it's like, where is this kid going? Like, why is he in yoga? Who knows? <laughs> but it was one of my favorite classes. So I bet that is even those weird classes. I bet you're still using them, aren't you? All the time, all the time. And in fact, even if it means that I can be the guy at trivia that knows these random facts, <laughs> <laughs> because you always hear, oh, attorney, he'll know about you know mm-hmm. court proceedings and, and issues regarding the law, but hey, I can pop out with some things sometimes. And people look at me like, how did you know that? Well, when it's trivia night at the bar, I'm calling you because I want you to be my hey, phone a friend. I'm I'm your guy. I'm your guy. <laughs> let me let me remind everybody we're speaking today with Spencer Mathis, Ever Henry twenty fifteen, who is an attorney in Georgia. And he's talking about how he got to be an attorney after being all over the place and interested in a lot of things. Talk about the kind of law that you're you're doing now and is that fulfilling for you? Is that the kind of thing? Did you do you like it better than prosecuting? You said you did prosecuting for a while. Absolutely, I like it much more. And here's the thing: people hear, "Oh, he's a family law attorney. He's a divorce attorney. He just helps people break up and split their money up, or one party's going to have to pay one party." But you, know, you, you, people often neglect the fact that we're doing child custody cases, child support cases, right. adoptions, mm-hmm. guardianships. And even in divorces, I like to approach the scenario with easing that transition. And I don't refer to it as a divorce unless I have to, um, but I like to call it a transition. And when I'm speaking with you know my clients, I say, hey, this is a transition. 
That's all it is. Let's make this transition as affordable for you. Let's make this transition as peaceful for you, as amicable for you. And if there are children involved, let's make sure that they're going to feel it. They're going to know that the parents are splitting up. But let's make sure that they feel the same amount of love, no matter what mom and dad or mom and mom or dad and dad are going through. Um, and so it's more fulfilling in a sense that I feel that I'm not only helping my client, but I'm helping a family as a whole get through something that no one obviously planned for. Right. Um, and so it's more fulfilling in that sense. And I think that you do have a winner, um, quote, winner, unquote, when you can get that transition done in the most amicable manner. Compared to prosecution, and, and I know we have a lot of Emory grads that are prosecutors, no no uh, offense. It just sometimes seems like there isn't much of a winner in those situations. And, and I don't mean, hey, did you get what you wanted out of court? And that's what a lot of attorneys think. Hey, did I get the result that my client wanted? Obviously, that's what we're looking for. Right. But when, when it's all said and done, and when you, when you go to bed at night, who, who won? Right? Yeah. Um, there's always going to be a victim, no matter if the guy, if the alleged suspect or defendant goes to prison, doesn't go to prison. There's always a victim. Right. And depending on the crime, obviously, there are certain things that are just no-nos, but someone's being taken away from their family on the other end, too, potentially. And so if, if you take that kind of view of it, it can become a bit heavy. I was going to say, so, that sounds like something that just weighed on your heart too much. Yeah, yeah. And here's the thing. I was pretty good at my job. And, and of course, you're advocating for the victims in the state that you work for. And I hats off to people who do that. We need prosecutors. We need public defenders. Right. We need criminal defense attorneys. But, for example, I, when I was in Savannah, I did criminal defense also. I would have that same feeling I did as a prosecutor. Oh, really? Even as a defense attorney? There's no, there's no winner in this. Oh, bless your heart. So, I just wanted to make sure that I can merge the practice of law with something that was close mm -hmm. to my heart because I came from such a great family. No, no family is perfect, but I felt that I needed to merge my skills with something that would not only make me feel better, but I can know, hey, I did something good for this child whose parents are getting a divorce or this party who's getting a divorce and it's rough. It's not, you know, your typical divorce is allegations of abuse maybe things of that nature if i'm helping someone that makes you feel better in the family law it's much more fulfilling and, and I, it's interesting you asked me before i wanted to be a marriage counselor for a split second <laughs> now i'm a divorce attorney so i guess i guess family and, and having that communal feel has always been important to me and so being able to you know still argue argue my tail off and, and you know zealously represent my clients but still feel good at night when I go to bed about what's going on. I just want to correct you. You're actually a transition attorney. Exactly. I like it. I like it. <laughs> and, I, and I hope you change your business cards after this. Cause I, think I know. I yeah, well, yeah, our business cards do say uh, easing transitions with integrity. Already. Oh, look, look at yeah. you. That's yeah, great. So we're, we're, we're big. We're big on it. Um, doing it the right way. Yeah. It just took me a bit of hopping around, but uh, it's, this is what I do. It's kind of been my life anyway. <laughs> I mean, I was a 17-year-old kid telling my parents, hey, I'm moving to Virginia to go to this place called Emory and Henry College. You might want to look it up. Here's the link. I'm going. How did that happen? <laughs> was it because of Bonner or was it something else? Uh, no, no. So I, I, I looked into the school and actually my assistant principal in high school, Kevin Rogers, 
isn't alone. Oh, Kevin Rogers. I'm so yeah. sorry that's been your influence in life. <laughs> oh, no. But, but also, uh, Frederick George. Did you say he, he went to my high school also? He's from Rockdale County. Sweet. And so I had a lot of people kind of say, hey, this is a good place. This is a good place. And so I visited. It felt right. Fine with me. It was the right I mean, spot for you. It was it was right for me. I, I can't I can't be mad at it. And I, I think one of the things that I found uh, most attractive about the institution and that I will always say is a great reason to go is, is that communal feel, right? That feeling of one, I belong here. And if you don't feel like you belong here, someone will make you feel like you belong. That's or they're interesting. Gonna, they're going to get you into some programs that are going to make you more involved, right? right? I think I went through, I was 17 years old when I came to college. So I think I went through the, okay, what's going on kind of phase. Sure. That's I mean, young. People from professors, I mean, Dr. Coe, I took her for sociology 101 and she guided me throughout the process, right? Dr. Wilson, we have Dr. Puglisi. Um, I mean, some of the people who in other schools, you don't feel comfortable approaching with some of your, not only problems that you may be having academically, but hey, I'm going through this at home or, or I kind of miss home. How do I handle this? Right. Right. Um, and I've never felt a situation there where another student wouldn't kind of pick me up for, you know, for my time there, we had people like Leroy, Spencer King, um, obviously Leroy Strickland, um, Fred. Um, I mean, I can go on and on to Michael Burst, who, who really made sure that I was doing what I needed to do, even if I was being the immature 17, 18, 19-year-old saying, hey, get your tail to class, right? Right. Um, <laughs> it's always been a place that they see more in you than you may see in yourself. And um, you may you may recall, well, my speech was actually titled Formed by Family. And that was a dedication to you know my family and also the school and what they had done for me um, when I spoke at graduation. So that's one thing that has always stuck out to me about Emory. And once you have that, you, you'll be fine. You'll be fine. It's, it's not a place where you'll feel stranded or alone. I, I had a lot of uh, former high school classmates that would say, you know, going to these huge schools and it's a great name, but they, they say, I feel empty. I, I don't know anybody. Nobody's going to help me with this. I'm afraid. <laughs> right. And I never had that type of feeling there. So. It is funny. Another long-winded answer, but no, I like that answer. I'll, I'll let you talk because I'm going to send this to admissions as soon as we're as soon as we're done. <laughs> <laughs> well, and you know, it, it is funny though to hear about those people, and and not just in schools, but it it is it is sad to me. It hurts my heart to think about people who are in a big crowd but do feel so alone because they don't know how to connect with people. And you're right, Emory Henry works really hard to stay to keep Absolutely. to get people connected and keep them connected. I love that you said your speech was formed by family because we all look back and realize just how blessed we were to have people in our lives who, you know, took care of us and looked out for us and gave us a hand up. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. So Let's take just a minute to talk about some community work that you're doing, because I know you do some work with 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 mock trial and that explain yeah. that to me. Explain that yeah, to so me. You, I, I know so, I know about mocktails. I mean, I think they're delicious. <laughs> but tell me about what mock trial is. So, so mock trial. There's a Georgia High School Mock Trial Association. I was not aware of this until this year, um, until one of the partners in our firm said, "Hey, we can sign up to judge um, the the competition." I actually got to judge the state finals. Oh, cool! Which, oh, man, it was awesome. But it's the Georgia Mock Trial Association where you have high schools 
um, who have mock trial teams. I know that they existed when I was in high school, but I don't think it was as formalized as it is now. Right. Because I mean, it was serious business. Wow. Like you couldn't speak to the contestants. It was, yeah, it was, it was serious business. Um, and so what I, what I did was I just sat on the panel judging those, those mock trial competitions. I'm looking and kind of trying to determine where to go because I would like to coach a mock trial team on the high school level. When I was in law school, I had the honor of serving as a coach for a student coach for our moot court team and our black law student association mock trial team. And so, and I obviously was a part of moot court and served on their executive board. Um, and so that's always been something that I've been intrigued about. Uh, I was in the Calliope society at Emory, but we, I got to, and this was my first year doing it, judge those kids and Monica. I mean, I was taking notes. I was like, hey, you know what? I need to use that. Oh, you're Excel. kidding. Amazing. Amazing talent. Um, and are these kids who were thinking about going into law? A lot of them are. They're in high school, so you kind of, you know, take that with a grain of salt. But yeah. they seem to be. We were told beforehand that some of them want to be lawyers. Some of them just like speaking. Interestingly enough, some of the students join just to work on their public speaking ability. Oh, that's because interesting. Because mock trials is not only do you have counsel, but you also have witnesses. And so some of the students that were on the team were serving as witnesses. Oh, fun. Oh, man, the acting ability is, it was amazing. It was, it was really amazing to see people at such a young age be that organized with their presentation. I always joke around and say, I've always loved to speak. I've always loved public speaking. I've never been nervous speaking in front of people. Um, but I don't know if my presentation was that great when I was that age. Yeah, public speaking for me was uh, speaking up in Spanish class when it was <laughs> when it wasn't my turn and getting kicked out. I was gonna say, speaking of Spanish yeah. class, how did that go? Spanish class. Yeah, when you, yeah. So when you were a kid, Spanish you, class. You can, mm-hmm. you can you can attest. I had I had a um, teacher named Miss Nishio, and she was my Spanish teacher. She loved me to death, um, but I was a bit talkative. And myself and Joseph Lewis, who's also class of 2015, he went to Rockdale. We came to college together. He was in that class, too. And long story short, we may or may not have convinced the class not to turn in their homework that day because... Because you didn't have yours done? I don't know. That's that's the story. I'm not sure. <laughs> but <laughs> I just started distract- distracting the class and... Essentially going back and forth with Ms. Nishio about how the homework wasn't due that day. It was due the next class period. Really bad. Trying to gaslight my teacher. Mm-hmm. I was 16. Give me a break. But it, it didn't last long. I got kicked out of class and she called my mom. And see, my mom wasn't one that would say, okay, well, I'm coming up to the school. Or, okay, I'll take care of it when, when I get home. She would call my dad. She would say, okay. Talk to me on the phone and say, okay, well, you want to act that way? We'll address it. Hang up the phone. But then she would tell my dad to show up. And so my dad was in Spanish class with me, I think the next two class periods, which is embarrassing enough. Oh my gosh. Sitting at the teacher's desk because I decided to talk too much in class. So that was kind of a common thing. <laughs> Went out before college, I, I like to speak. And so I like to say now with being an attorney, I just funneled that motivation and that energy to the right place. See, that, uh, and isn't that really part of growing up? It's figured out how it to is. funnel some of those things, some of those exactly. impulses. Exactly. Find, finding the right pathway to, to, to huge impulses. We're all just kids. We just figured out how to <laughs> how to make it look professional, right? 
<laughs> how to make it look how to make it look like we're adulting. That's where it's right, exactly. I promise you I'm doing the exact same thing I was doing in Spanish class. I just get to wear a suit and I say your honor instead of Miss Nisha. I think um, the fact that your dad came to class might be the best thing I've ever heard. Oh my goodness. Oh, my dad would show up to class. That's one thing he would do because he did not play about our grades. So yeah, he showed up to class and he sat there and I wasn't expecting him. So I walked into the class. Oh my god. I just see like, oh man, it was Definitely a memory. That is a bad day. That is a bad day. <laughs> and I didn't act up anymore in Spanish class. So. Mm-hmm. All right. So we're we're getting close on time here. If you had to look back and say, but what is it from Emory and Henry that you take with you the most in your career now? I take the opportunities that were presented to me while being a student there. What I mean by that is when I want, for example, when I wanted to run for SGA, no one said, no, you can't do that. When I wanted to become a part of any type of club, the Calliopean Society, the Pre-Law Society, there wasn't anyone there that said, no, you can't do that. This isn't your fit. This isn't your club. This isn't your type of course that you want to take. I know that you say you're just interested in this, but you should go take this instead. And so I think that was very eye-opening and having that acceptance as a younger kid, having those opportunities and not being denied with any ideas that I had, even if they were bad ideas. I could get a meeting with the dean about that idea. And they may say, hey, that was a bad idea, but I can get in that room, right? Right. And so I've always wanted to try to create that room for someone else um, and give them that feeling of, hey, you'll be accepted with all of your ideas, um, suggestions, anything that you would like to bring to the table. Some of them may not be great, but hey, here's a different avenue that you can take. Hey, maybe you should think of it this way to be able to, move forward and say, hey, I want to talk to the president of the college about this idea that I have right. a student handbook. And I was literally in their office within two or three days. I think that's an amazing thing and, and, and an amazing aspect um, of Emory. And so I try to practice that moving forward because I know that I'm now becoming the age I actually turned 30 in August. Uh. And I'm a lead attorney at my at my firm, so it's time for people to start asking me to, to be invited into the room. And so I want to be able to create that and move forward and, and hopefully be as proficient in that as Emory is. Well, where does that come from for you? It seems like it's important to you to pay it forward. I think I always grew up with it. And I, there are a lot of things about the world and some of the more, I guess, negative news that you hear about the world and some of the things that children have to go through and younger adults have to go through that I honestly never had to deal with. And a lot of people refer to it as a silver spoon. Well, I'll take the silver spoon. And so I feel like, why can't anyone else have this? And so I guess it's just because I always had someone involved with me and and helping me out that it seems that I just, it's just in my heart, I guess. There's no other answer than that. I think that's what you're supposed to do because we all have a date. We all everybody have a date. What does that mean? We all have a date where we will no longer be here. And so you oh, want everybody date. to say, you want everybody to say job well done, right? We have a deadline. We might as well do everything we can before it. Listen, I just think it says a lot about you and your heart that you pay that much attention to other people are dealing with and what other kids are dealing with. Thank you. Thank you, Monica. I can't end <laughs> being nice to you. <laughs> 
let's just tell everybody that you're that you're sweating profusely right now. How about yeah, that? I'm sweating profusely, and only I have I've been sweating since I stepped off the stage of graduation at Emory. So <laughs> nothing has changed. The cool breeze has left the building. <laughs> it left. It, it never came back. Spencer Mathis, Emory and Henry class of 2015. Thank you so much for being with us today. And no problem. It was a pleasure. I hope we're going to see you back on campus soon because I feel like you owe us a visit. I, I do. I do. Let's. When's homecoming this year? October 14th. Thanks for giving me a chance to say it. October 14th. I'll make an arrival and see everyone. Um, we're counting on it. I'll let, I'll let everybody know. We'll we'll find red carpets and we'll put them everywhere. <laughs> hey, you know, I would love that. And in fact, my coworkers pranked me one day by getting me a, um, a name plate that says, I need attention with a big brown <laughs> trophy. <so. laughs> Oh, so, oh, so they know you. Okay, that's good to know. <laughs> Spencer Mathis, Emory and Henry class of 2015, thank you for being with us today. And thanks to everybody for being with us today on WEHC. We hope you will stay tuned because there's some great stuff coming up next. After all, this is the voice of Southwest Virginia. Mm-hmm.